Hello, and welcome to Kingwood United Methodist Church. Thank you for joining us today. Wherever you're listening from, and whatever service you're listening to, we strongly believe because of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, there is always more to life. I know as a child I often wondered, why is this called Good Friday? Because I couldn't seem to make sense of it. It didn't seem to, to quite figure out in my mind. I understood what was good about Sunday, but I couldn't figure out the Friday part. And I think it's something that we wrestle with. And like I said, at the time, I think the disciples and Jesus' followers really had trouble seeing what was good about it. Obviously, it wasn't that first Friday. It was not called Good Friday. It's in retrospect. It's in our ability to look back and to remember and to understand that we're able to see what was really happening Because in the midst of it, at that time, what could possibly be good about this day? It was a day where Jesus was beaten and spat on by the guards, was nailed to a tree. His disciples abandoned him, denied him, and he died on a Roman cross. Everything about Jesus is contrary to the way we normally think. So the fact that we can look at today and say it is a good Friday is contrary to how the world would define it. But that's what Jesus did at every possible juncture through his birth, his life, his teaching, his miracles, how he chose his disciples, who he ate with, his definition of Messiah, his definition of love, what it means to serve others. All of that was contrary to what the world said it was. And through Jesus, we are called to see the world in an entirely new way. And so today, we wrestle with today being good. Jesus redefined everything, including the cross. But how do you redefine an instrument of torture and shame to reflect love and sacrifice? His disciples and followers couldn't understand it when they were in the midst of it. And even those first century Christians, Paul writes in Corinthians um, that they were struggling with this as well because he says, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. How can you preach a crucified Christ as your Savior? But we preach and we worship a crucified Savior They were trying to sort this out as well at the time, and it was hard for them to wrap their minds around. And nothing is as it seems when Jesus is involved. This week started with Jesus parading into town with Hosanna and praises as he entered the city. And parades would not have been something unfamiliar to the people of this time. But parades were an instrument of the empire. They were propaganda is how they flaunted power and the arrogance of the leaders and the wealth and the excess of the empire, even a ruler who thought he was God. And even Jesus' parade into Jerusalem looked different. Even though Jesus knew what lay ahead, he came into town in a parade of hope. Not a hope that lies in a new political power or a new leader, but a hope that lies in death on a cross. He came into town knowing that he was going to redefine what that meant. And Jesus spent the week preparing those around him for what was about to happen. 
But I think it was so contrary to what their way of thinking that they really couldn't fully understand it, obviously. He had been to the temple. He had celebrated Passover. He went to the garden. And he had been betrayed and denied. And by Friday, it would certainly seem that all hope was lost. In hindsight, we have that perspective. We can look back, but in that moment, they were lost and scared and confused. Surely this was defeat. Surely it was the end. How could this defeat ever be celebrated as a victory? How could this death on a cross ever be redeemed? But remembering Friday is a part of our journey, and it's our journey that helps us to remember and it helps us to understand. We began a Lenten journey on Ash Wednesday examining our own mortality, dust to dust. And here we are on Friday looking at Jesus' mortality. Friday, today, is the antidote to Ash Wednesday. And once again, it seems totally counterintuitive that our death and mortality is overcome by Jesus' death on the cross. Like I said, it's like an antidote or anti-venom or a vaccine. It's very counterintuitive. You're going to take the very thing that's poisoning or harming you, and you're going to inject it back into the body. It doesn't make sense. I often wonder who was the first person who, A, thought of it, and B, tried it. Um, (laughs) There had to have been a sense of desperation there. You're injecting the very thing you're trying to avoid. We acknowledge our sin and our death and our mortality by putting ashes on our forehead on Ash Wednesday. And here we are with Jesus redeeming what that means, meeting our sin and our death with his mortality. Jesus is the antidote to our death. And he solves the problem of our death through his. But here's the deal. Jesus was fully divine and fully human and fully committed to defeating sin and death. And he conquered it He conquered sin and death, not through violence, not through the way the world said he was going to do it, not by rising up or bringing together an army, but through suffering. It wasn't what the world expected. He challenged the world and the empire with a different kind of love, a sacrificial love. He suffered fully as a human, but in his divinity, he overcame the suffering. The cross isn't necessary to appease a God who's angry at us. The cross is there because it shows the links that God will go to so that we can experience and know his divine love. It's not something that God commanded happen of Jesus. It is Jesus being fully divine and fully human willingly going to the cross. And it demonstrates that divine love in a way that at the time was very difficult to understand. Jesus, as fully God, gave his life as a ransom 
for sin and death. As the Lamb of God, as the ultimate high priest, his crucifixion is the culmination of perfect love, of divine love. There's a quote I found this week, and I forgot to write down who wrote it. So, giving a little bit of, uh, that this was not my thought, but it fits perfectly with today. And the author said, because Jesus was fully God and fully human, it reminds us that God does not just walk in our shoes, but he takes our shoes and he walks where we can't without being destroyed and takes on that which destroys us. Now I'm going to read that again, and this time I'm going to take out shoes and I'm going to put in sin. Listen to it again. Because Jesus was fully God and fully human, it reminds us that God does not just walk in our sin, but takes our sin and walks where we can't without being destroyed and takes on that which destroys us. At Christmas, we sing, Emmanuel, God is with us. That is not just for Christmas time. Jesus is Emmanuel all year long. He is with us on more than just Christmas. He is God with us in everything, including our sin. He is willing to go to the cross for our sin and for the sins of the world. The cross wasn't just meant for our own personal salvation. It was meant for the world, to change the world for good. so that there is no more sorrow or pain or despair. There's nothing that we can go through that God does not know and walk through with us. Jesus' death on the cross was not a defeat by the forces of evil, which is what the world was telling the disciples and his followers at the time. It was a defeat of the forces of evil. And when Jesus says it is finished, he means that in finishing, in the conquering of sin and death, there is a new beginning. But first, it must be finished. And so tonight, we sit and we reflect that Jesus willingly walks towards the cross to be a good and perfect sacrifice for our sins. Remember in that quote I used, I said that God doesn't just walk with us, but takes our shoes and walks where we cannot go. No matter what the circumstance, no matter what the sin, Jesus walks in our shoes for us.